Welcome to Front Range. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our pastors here. So glad to be with you this morning, especially if you're new at Front Range. Maybe it's your first time here this morning. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. We hope that this will become a home for you where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And I want to let you know about two things we got coming up. One for all the guys, our men's retreats coming up August the 17th. We are running out of time. We're running out of spots. So if you're planning to join us, Make sure that you register soon. We're going to be getting t-shirts for all the guys that are registered by a certain point. And it's going to be life-changing, man. We have such a good time. We build lifelong relationships. We spend time worshiping God, spend time outdoors, having fun. And, man, if you just need a nap, it's also a great place to just come take a nap. It's just, it's so good to just go and chill with other guys and have a good time. So register for that. Uh, you can find that on our events page on frontrange.org. You can also get to that through the worship guide that we've mentioned. There's a QR code that you can scan. Uh, for all the ladies in the room, we have ladies night. Those are uh, things that we do monthly in the fall and the spring. The first one is coming up in August. They're doing something uh, called Bunko. I hear people like that. Um, I still don't know what it is. We've been doing it for years. I have no idea. Uh, but I hear people enjoy that. Anyway, even if you don't like Bunko or you have no idea what it is, this is a great spot to come and meet some other women in our church uh, and just have a good time on a Friday night. Uh, so make sure that you register for that. You can do that on our events page as well. So whether you're a guy in the room, lady in the room, we got stuff coming up for you to get connected here at the church. Now today we are continuing in our series on the Ten Commandments. And we've been looking at these, these, these laws, these rules but also this love letter that God has given to his people. And we've talked about this in terms of a marriage covenant. It's like God saying, these are the terms of our relationship. This is who I'm going to be as your God. This is who I'm calling you to be as my people. And we're looking at that and the relevance that it has for us as followers of Jesus living on the other side of the New Testament. Now, today we're going to move into uh, a, a topic we've already kind of mentioned here. It's, it's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Here's what it says. Here's our commandment for today. You shall not commit adultery. Pretty self-explanatory, right? I asked five or six people if they had any advice on a message for adultery, and almost all of them said, don't commit adultery, the end. <laughs> so that's our message for today. What is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? Let's go into response time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course. The Bible has a lot to say about sex, and we're going to talk about this. We're not going to get crazy. We gave a little warning uh, just in case, but we are going to talk about this issue of sexuality because it matters, and it's a big deal. Uh, adultery being having sex with a person, a married person who is not your spouse, it was a big deal. And we, we ask, like, why is this in the top ten? What's the point here? Well, remember, in context, God had brought the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. He is remaking them into a nation called by his name, known by his glory and his holiness. And he knew the danger of something like adultery and what it would do to their nation and the chaos that it would create, particularly for the most vulnerable people, women and children at this time. And so God is setting this in stone, literally stone tablets, uh, to say this matters and we need to know it and we need to avoid it and stay away from something like adultery. And I did a little research on our culture here today, uh, and it's, it's a little bit scary. About 22% of married men, 14% of married women admit to have, have uh, having committed in a, uh, excuse me, having committed adultery in their marriage. Those are the words I'm trying to find. Uh, at least one time in their marriage. That's a little bit higher than I was expecting. 22% of men, 14% of women. Um, and then when an affair is discovered in a marriage, 69% of them end in divorce. 
And that's terrifying. That is scary. Uh, Because many of us know the chaos that that can create, the devastation, the pain that happens. Um, It's never as easy as it sounds um, when people are thinking about doing these sorts of things or they're thinking about leaving a marriage. The grass always seems greener on the other side, but many of us who have experienced this know the pain and what happens there. Maybe you have experienced this in your own life. Maybe you've had a friend who's gone through a situation like this. Maybe your parents or some other relative, and you have seen what happens when something like this occurs uh, and the pain that's caused through that. But okay, we hear this and most of us are going, okay, adultery, yep, maybe you're married, maybe you're single, maybe you're divorced, whatever that looks like, and you're thinking, I'm not planning on committing adultery, and I haven't committed adultery, so I'm good, right? Like, we've got this message set. And that's nice, but Jesus comes in and says, eh, not quite. So in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying out what the kingdom of God looks like, what it looks like to be his follower, to live for his name, for his glory, and to be known for the love of God and the love of other people. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Yes, we just heard that said. All of us right here. We just, we just heard that said in Exodus chapter 20. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh-oh. Yikes. Jesus just upped the ante a little bit and brought, I think, almost all of us into this issue of adultery, and lust. If we've even looked at another person lustfully, we have committed adultery with that person in our heart. There's this connection from the law of Moses in Exodus, almost the beginning of the Bible, all the way into the New Testament with Jesus saying, adultery and the lust that fuels it matters for God's people. Why does it matter? Well, this may seem self-explanatory, but God cares about our purity. God cares about our purity. We hear that and we're like, yeah, that's trivial. But it needs to be said, I think, in our current culture that it matters to God how we live and how we uh, live out our sexuality and our thought life and our hearts. He has an order and a design for our sexuality. And sex in the confines of marriage is good. It's created by God and it's meant to be pure and holy. And he cares about that sexual purity for his people. Now, Some of us, if we grew up in church in the late 90s, early 2000s, I say that word purity and you might start to twitch. I just want to let you know, I'm not going to tell you to kiss dating goodbye. I'm not going to tell you to stop holding your girlfriend's hand. Some of y'all got it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. That's fine. It's fine. I just want to let you know, I understand there's some trauma there from pastors and people who put oppressive ideas on us during that time. What I think happened, though, for many of us is the truth of it got lost in the middle of all that. And I just want to remind us that purity actually does matter. What happened in the past for some of us and how that was put upon us, let's put all that aside. Jesus cares about the sexual purity of his people, and we need to take that seriously. Adultery and the lust that fuels it, it corrupts our hearts It disconnects us from God, and it causes us to treat other people as objects to be used rather than people to be loved in a godly way. So even if we have some baggage with that word purity, it still matters, and we still have to take what Jesus says seriously. I think there are also many of us who we've been given a, a sexual ethic from the culture and we've received it and, and, and followed it with no scrutiny and no criticism, and we haven't looked at it from God's point of view. We've been told that as long as something is consensual and it makes you feel good, then go for it. Just do whatever you want. It's totally fine. 
As long as it's not hurting anyone, why would God put limits or boundaries on us? Doesn't he want us to be happy? And I think that the idea that culture gives us deserves a little bit of critique and a little bit of comparison to what Jesus says and what God says throughout his word. Let's, let's back up though. If, if God is real, I believe he is, if Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead, and I believe that all those things are true, if that's true, then whatever Jesus says about a particular topic deserves for us to look at it and go, oh, maybe I should follow that guy. Maybe I should do what he's calling me to do because God knows what is good. God knows what is the standard, and he knows that straying from the standard, turning away from what is good will lead to disappointment and in many times disaster. Why would we want any less than all that God has for us in our lives in general, but particularly when it comes to our sexuality? Why settle for what the world is offering when God has so much more? He knows what's best for us. He calls us to more than what feels good in the moment or what the world tells us is good. He cares about our sexuality and how we live that out. He cares about our purity. And again, I know we're hearing this and many of us are like, I get it, I'm on board, but it still needs to be said for all of us to be reminded that God has a standard and God is calling us to more. He's calling us to live for him. So how do we live that out? Two things for us today. We have to remember that purity is about more than what we do. Purity is about more than what we do. This is the idea that Jesus is getting at. This is the crazy thing about what he says, because for so long, the, the nation of Israel has been living by this set of rules and going, I haven't physically committed the act of adultery, so I'm good on that commandment. And Jesus comes in, go, comes in and goes, it's deeper. It's actually deeper than that. He goes into our minds the way we think and ultimately our hearts. He uses a Greek word when he says uh, to look at another woman lustfully. It means to desire, to set your heart upon. And when we do that, eventually our minds and our actions will follow. And Jesus knows that. That's why he's looking deeper into our hearts at what's going on in there. If we know anything about God, if we've learned anything in this series on the Ten Commandments, it's that God cares about our hearts and what we set our hearts upon. He cares about fidelity, which is loyalty and faithfulness. That's why we see God addressing things like idols and putting other gods before him because he knows that will draw our hearts in a direction that will be disastrous for us. This goes deep into the way that we're living and thinking and treating other people and how we think about them. One of the, one of the greatest failures of our modern society, I think, is how we've given people of any age, any stage, any demographic access to this entire world of potentially monstrous stuff on the internet or in apps, and we've done nothing to really critique that or think about what that's doing to us. The, the, the nature of pornography and all of these things that seep down deep into our souls. We've done almost nothing to think maybe we should put some boundaries and some limits around that, and we put a supercomputer in our pocket and give us the ability to look at or see or find anything, even if you don't intend to. I was looking for an app the other day in the app store. I literally, on my iPhone, searched for an app, and it, uh, an adulterous app where you can have an affair with someone came up in the search results as an ad in my app store. There's something wrong, and God knows it. There's something going on here that we have to look at and go, maybe not. Maybe something's wrong. Parents, we have an amazing opportunity and responsibility to put boundaries in place and to protect our children 
from the world out there. I'm not saying you go live in a hut and be a recluse. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying putting limits and boundaries in place on technology and things like that. Don't, don't expect that they're just going to figure it out. They won't. It's on us to figure that out for our children. And our family ministry, man, they've done an amazing job. They've created resources and things specifically for technology. It's on our website, on our Parent Connect page. If you're interested, if you have no idea where to start, number one, have a conversation with our family ministry team. Number two, check out the page that we've got on the website because there is stuff out there that is changing the way we think and look and act and it seeps down into our soul. And we have a responsibility to help our children engage with the world around them. But again, back up from just the act of adultery or acting on our lust. This is about our hearts and our treatment of other people. At the root of this issue is the objectification of a human being made in the image of God who deserves respect and dignity and honor and not to be stripped for parts and used. In God's kingdom, in the way of life that Jesus calls us to, people are more valuable than what they can do for us or what we can get from them. The selfishness that's at the root of our lust, it twists the way that we look at other people from someone to be honored and loved into someone to be used. And God wants better for us. And listen, I'm not innocent here. I've got no stones to throw. Most of us have struggled, but we have to come face to face with what's going on in the culture around us, and particularly what's going on in our own minds and our own hearts. If I claim the name of Jesus, I owe it to him to examine my heart, my mind, and my actions to see if they're lining up with what he's calling us to do in this area. And Jesus actually says something, he has something to say about what we do. He's already told us, hey, if you look at another person with lust, you've committed adultery. He takes it a step further into giving us an action. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow. Harsh words. Harsh actions here. From this, we can learn that purity requires sacrifice. The purity that Jesus is calling us to, it requires sacrifice. Now, please don't go mutilate yourself later. Jesus is, he's not calling for us to literally gouge out our eyes or cut our hands off. What he is trying to do is get us to see the gravity and the weight of this type of sin and what it will do to us and the steps required for us to guard ourselves against it. To flee from sexual immorality, it says later in scripture, in the words of Paul. Jesus is saying, take this seriously because it will do damage in your life. One pastor said that sex is like a fire and marriage is like a living room fireplace that contains it. But if it burns outside of its intended boundary, it could burn your whole house down. That's the weight and the gravity of sexual sin. And again, don't just think acting on adultery. Think about what Jesus says, that if we look at another person with lust, we're guilty of the same thing. And that fire can blaze in our lives and burn us. We were making pancakes a couple weeks ago with our family, and my daughter was helping. She likes to pour the batter and, and help as much as she can as a five-year-old. And we had the griddle, and she just wasn't thinking, and she went to pour batter and reached out to steady the griddle, and she burned her finger. Yeah, some of you know exactly what that was like. It was, it was pretty bad, and she spent the rest of the day holding that one finger up, and I won't tell you which one it was, but you can read between the lines. Um, and so that was, that was pretty awesome for the rest of the day, her just doing that. But it just reminded me, like, she got burned, and it made an impression. 
And it made her change the way she lived that, at least that rest of the day. It made it real for her that fire and, and heat, that hurts, and she needed to avoid that. And I bet she's going to do things differently when we make pancakes in the future. Unfortunately, we don't treat our sin in the same way very often in our lives. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Whether you're single, married, divorced, we're called to take action, to do whatever it takes to pursue, to, to pursue purity and holiness in our sexuality. It means making a sacrifice to say, I'm going to set limits in my life to live the way that God is calling me to live. And for some of us, this may look extreme, even to other Christians. Like if Instagram's a problem, you may need to delete Instagram, delete the account, delete the app, wipe it out of your phone. And that may seem extreme to some people, but if it's a problem, cut off your hand. Many of us, if a web browser on your computer or your phone is a problem, there are accountability programs. Covenant Eyes is just one that I can think of where you can put that on there. It will block you from things, and it will also allow you to add an accountability partner so that they can see what's going on and have a conversation. Some of us may need to do that. It may mean that we don't get to watch the most popular show that's out there that everyone else gets to watch because the content is dangerous for some of us. It may look extreme, but it's worth it for us to pursue purity and holiness in the way that Jesus is calling us to. It may look like some of us going into our community group and saying, hey guys, there's a problem in my own personal life or in my marriage. Now, maybe do that when the guys are with the guys and the girls are with the girls. You don't have to blow that up with everybody, right? But if there's an issue, maybe you have to be the one to take things a step deeper, to say, I need help to break the ice. Because honestly, guys, if we can't have those kinds of conversations in a community group, I don't know why we bother having, you know, these, these dinners and this time every week or every other week, spending a couple hours with each other, if we can't have these kinds of conversations. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what he's calling me to do. I want to pursue righteousness and holiness and the life that God has for me. And I want to do that in community with people around me. So maybe sometimes one of us has to be the one to go, I actually need help. I need somebody to help me in this area. And that's okay. We're meant to bear one another's burdens, it says in Galatians chapter 6, to carry this with one another, to love one another, to spur one another on to good works. That's what it's all about. And I've spent a lot of time talking about God's desire for holiness and purity. And according to Jesus' words, most, if not all of us, are guilty in this area, at least at some point in our lives. And if you struggle in this area... On an ongoing basis, it's easy to feel the shame that comes along with making, mis making these kinds of mistakes. Everything I've said today, you already know. You've heard it a hundred times. You know that the things that have happened are not okay. You know what they've done to you. And I just want you to know that I know that cycle of shame. I know what it's like to feel like there's a cloud hovering over your head. That you hear that God loves you. You know that Jesus died for you, but you don't feel like he likes you very much. I just want you to know I know that. And that's not what God has for you. He's not mad at you. He's not holding it over your head. He's not constantly upset or frustrated or angry. He is lovingly calling you home and into a different way of life. We get a perfect picture of what this looks like in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, there's a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. She's been dragged before Jesus. It's interesting that only the woman was dragged before Jesus, but we'll leave that there. Um, and they, bring, they bring her before him, and they want to test him because the law calls for her to be stoned. 
And they say, teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. The law says she's supposed to be stoned. What do you say? And it's a test for Jesus. Because if, if he really is God, he can't go against the law. And so many of you know this story. What Jesus does is he's kind of silently drawing in the sand. We don't know what he was drawing. There's theories about that. And then he looks up at the teachers and the, the Pharisees and all these people and says, all right, let the first among you who's without sin cast the first stone. And then we'll go from there. And all these men know that they're not without sin, and so they begin to drop their stones and they walk away. And here's what Jesus says when it's just him and the woman left in the room. John chapter 8, verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then Jesus says to this woman, Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus tells us elsewhere in Scripture that if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. Meaning, what Jesus says and does is what God the Father says and does. And the way that Jesus says and does things is the way that God the Father says and does things. This is God. This is how God interacts with a person who's been caught in this kind of disastrous sin. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. It shows us that purity starts with grace. There's all these things that we can do in our lives. There's, there's plans we can put in place. There's actions we can take. But at the heart of it all, purity starts with grace. This unmerited, undeserved favor. This woman is spared the punishment that she rightfully deserves because Jesus steps in. This woman who is guilty and the man, the only man in history who was worthy of doling out the punishment, the only man without sin says, I don't condemn you. He calls her, though, to a life change in this moment. Go now and leave your life of sin. He doesn't say, hey, no problem, you do you, just get out of here. No, he goes, I don't condemn you, but you need to change. It starts with that grace. He makes it clear that there is no condemnation for her and that he has something better for her in the future. The Apostle Paul would go on to write in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning for those who claim the name of Jesus, those who have chosen to follow him, there is no condemnation. I could just spend the rest of the time just saying no condemnation, and for some of us it would still not fully sink in. I just want you to hear that, to believe that. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We will stumble, of course, we all do. And Paul goes on to here to say, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Meaning that when you're in Christ, you're set free from sin and death and you are empowered by his Spirit living within to live differently to choose life and not death, to be free and not enslaved, to be healed from the pain that we're trying to medicate, to be restored. You're set free because Christ did what we couldn't do. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died on the cross for us. Please hear me clearly. God cares about our purity and our holiness, and he wants us to leave our lives of sin, but it all starts with the grace of God. And we're talking about adultery and sexual sin, but man, I think all of us need to hear this. 
whether you sin in this area or you sin in a different area, whatever that looks like, I think all of us need to know that there is no condemnation and Jesus wants to empower us to live for him. That the spirit living within us is real and active and speaks and guides and moves us and empowers us, gives us the strength to make the choice to go his way and not our own way. If you've messed up, whether it's in sexual sin or in any area of your life and you're feeling this morning, man, God, I just feel like there's this distance, there's this wall between us. I know I've messed up. I know I've done something wrong. I wanna read some verses from Psalm chapter 103. Let this be a breeze of fresh air coming through the window this morning, a balm to the pain and the, the, the ache that we have in our hearts. Just listen to these words. The psalmist writes, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't want anyone in this room or watching online to feel any ounce of condemnation or shame this morning. That is not what God has for you. He sets a standard that he calls us to, and yet he knows that we can't meet it without his help. And so he fills that gap with his grace. He loves you. He wants to empower each one of us to live for him. He loves you. Let's choose this morning, no matter where we're at with this topic or anything else going on in our lives, let's choose to take a step towards him and say, God, I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me this morning. And then let's walk in the freedom that he has for us. Let's go to him and ask for that in prayer right now. God, we thank you, first of all, just for Jesus and what he's done for us. His death on the cross that pays the price for our sins. God, we know that we could never meet your standard. We know that we could never be good enough to earn your favor. And so we look to Jesus and his death on the cross. And Lord, we look to his resurrection the fact that he came back to life and we see that you have power over death and sin and the grave, Lord, and we want to live in that power. Fill us with your spirit this morning, God, so that we can live for you. I want to take a minute, just as everybody's heads are bowed and eyes closed, and I, I really mean that this morning. Please don't be looking around. This is a holy moment. If you're here, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. If you're here and you struggle in this area of sexual sin, you know you need God's help. Again, I'm not gonna embarrass you and no one's looking around the room. I wanna be able to pray for you. You can slip a hand up real quick. You can make eye contact with me. I just wanna have this moment where you and I are able to connect and I can go before the Lord and ask for him to fill you with his spirit this morning. So if that's you, just do whatever it takes just to, just to lift that up. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for stepping out in faith. God, we come before you and we know. We know where we've messed up. We know the cycle. 
We know the triggers. We know the trouble. We know the pain. We know all of it, God. We also know that we can't do it without your help. We ask for you to root out the sin in our lives, in our soul, deep within us, God, the pain that we're trying to address, the habits that maybe have been passed down for generations, God. I pray that you would break the chains of addiction, that you would break the bondage of that sin in family lines, God, that you would remove it and replace it with your grace and your love, your forgiveness, and help us walk in that every single day of our lives, God. We thank you that you don't give up on us, that you don't turn your back on us, that you are with us every moment of every single day, calling us deeper and closer in relationship with you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.